who just joined? This is Mitt. Yeah, I, I see some some dude from Utah. With <laughs> it's all lowercase though. I don't know. Okay, who's he? We... It's 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 really good. Yeah. So you'll put a link in the in the show notes. But there was a tweet which is uh, somebody because you know there's those people that kind of their main job on Twitter is basically just posting uh, clips from MSNBC and C-SPAN. I appreciate them because they're they're doing the Lord's work. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. So there's a uh, C-SPAN screenshot of them rebroadcasting like just some Mac mini with like tuned into zoom. And uh, it's, it's got a lot going here and I think people should just go check it out. We don't have a whole lot to talk about here, but uh, we we have uh, the distinguished Senator um, Mitt Romney, who his username is just lowercase Mitt, but he does, <laughs> he does, he does know how to mute, which is cool. Um, also uh, interesting is uh, Senator Warren. <laughs> it does not go on video. Can respect that <laughs> as I will, Generally try to avoid uh, doing that whenever possible. And I'll just pretend I forgot to turn it on because it's how it goes. Or we're trying to conserve bandwidth. That, that's, that's the excuse. Mm. Uh, yeah, she goes by Sen Elizabeth Warren. And then uh, Mitt's just Mitt. Anyway. It, it is it is kind of funny, the different variations. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that you can, uh, you can um, intuit from this, where people who just, uh, somebody who's just Mitt, Somebody who's Tammy Baldwin, not putting the title in there. Not somebody who's not Senator Tina Smith, who's just, you know, Sen. Distinguished Senator from uh, the great state of Massachusetts. I, I mentioned this to you offline, online, when you first shared this with me. Mm-hmm. You know, 2012, Ryan would be confused about a lot of things happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things on that list definitely would be sort of how uh, likable Mitt Romney has become. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that during the 2012 presidential campaign. Yeah, the problem with him is he had that whole... He would have a, like a stronger narrative arc, I think, here if he hadn't had the whole thing like in 2018, which... Like, wasn't he up for like some ambassador post, sort of, kind of? Oh, he was He was kicked around for um, Secretary, Secretary of State. State. Yeah, yeah where, there was that kind of part where he was kind of sucking up to and, and playing the game, which, which I appreciate people who understand they need to play the game, but I'm not sure this is somebody you need to play the game with. So that kind of colors it for me. But yeah, but the, the, the Mitt Romney's third act or second act is, um, it's, it's been acceptable and, and easy to watch. Um. Actually, do you want do you want to take a quick pause and talk about the coronavirus for a minute? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> haven't I haven't thought about it in you know the last <laughs> eight minutes, six minutes. Yeah. Um. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause here. I'm gonna give you a clean edit point because I'm gonna I'm gonna say something you're probably gonna end up cutting out, and, and, I, and I, <laughs> I respect you for it. But and you can tell me if I'm really off base here. Uh, and I'm gonna phrase this carefully because this might just be like a perception or like a weird theory I'm generating because like I've been, cause I know you're trying to get off the Twitter, but I've, I've been spending more than my like court limited no. 10 oh, minutes no. a day. I'm, 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 I'm back on Twitter. We can, we can oh, yeah, get into we that dis- if you want we can, to. <laughs> we can dispel with that notion that, yeah. Um, and, but again, I'm going to float this out here and you can tell me why I'm wrong or you can help me reshape this and kind of get closer to the truth. But I'm, I'm going to say something that, oh, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. I kind of feel like there's like this segment on the left and I feel like it's probably amplified just by like lefty Twitter that I'm, that I just by the nature of who I follow probably gets retweeted and magnified. 
I kind of feel like there's this group of people that want COVID-19 to be poorly handled. Like they kind of secretly hope it's poorly handled by the administration as like a means of knocking the president and kind of like being not super um, fair to the totality of everything. Is that entirely off base? No, no, it's not. I don't know what to do with that because I, I, I understand like there's so like I, I hate our president so much. And like there's so like there's so much that you could talk about about uh, how incompetent and also incompetently effective he's been at affecting lasting change that is going to make this country worse off. But I feel like there's there's a lot of stuff that there's like just like this blame for that, like. I don't know. Like, if it feels like some people just maybe don't like. I don't think anybody's hoping that there's like massive American casualties, but like, it feels like there's a lot of people who kind of don't want it to go well, so they can point at, well, these people are the reason why it was that case. I feel like you, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I have a few thoughts. I, I guess. I don't really have a great sense of how prevalent that view is. I I would agree that it's out there. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near some majority of even left leaning folks, but it, it but it's definitely out there. Um, but the broader thing, I guess, I'd say is, and I think this week's five thirty eight podcast hit on this really well, which is it's just disappointing how this has become political like it really like in the early days it really felt like this would be like the one thing in our hyper polarized environment that would rise above politics and it's it's been um it's been crazy to see the degree to which everything around COVID-19 has become political and how quickly that happened. I, I, I'm still, I mean, I'm struggling with a lot about <laughs> our current situation, but the, the politicization of it is one of those things that I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time with. You're absolutely right. And, and I, but in, I think it goes both ways, not, not to do like no, a whole, no, like no, a both it, sides no, you're, thing. you're, you're totally right. It, it definitely does. But in, in, in the part that makes it worse or less, um, unequivocal is that I feel like there's more, um, legitimate and institutional bad actors on the right. Like, I, I like if we, if we take all this whole like reopen America bullshit, like there's a lot of like institutional forces and money on the right and like where there's like shadow funding from the nra and stuff like that's that's like verifiable in all these ill-advised like impromptu protests to reopen states or counties or whatever but yeah like it just feels like there's so much where i don't know like i i you're right where there might have been like a short period of time where we all thought that maybe we might all kind of coalesce together because like this like this is a crisis that does not know party affiliation but now but that then now we have like this this weird faction on the left that kind of wants it to be as bad as it can be so that they can point out look at look at this jackass and look at these incompetent people who don't value life and are putting uh the economy above everything else but then you have people on the right who are basically trying to prime 
the public to be like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's okay if old people die because that's, uh, cause that's, they're, they're now trading the, um, uh, the economic prospects of the young. So, you know what, like, I don't know. It just feels like there's so much weirdness on both sides, but it does put into stark relief. Remember the whole Obama death panels thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that has a whole different meaning now when you have, uh, like people, like just going on TV and just saying that, um, oh, you know, well, it, it, it's, it, you know, the old people had their run. Like, honestly, like almost verbatim, there are people saying that who are like in positions that uh, sh- like should actually matter. I don't know. But like, and to, to round this out, because we don't need to talk about this too much. I mostly just wanted to get out that um, frustration that I've had. But like you in so I'm going to put like a hard stop here and then we'll move on to something else or a tra- we'll transition. We'll segue out of this. You had a good point where. This week's on this week's 538 podcast, the first like 90 seconds where um, Galen is kind of summarizing the past like month and a half or just like kind of framing what the conversation is going to be is is a real mindfuck. Like if you think if you think of like what in January when we just came off like the impeachment hearings and we were all just in a tizzy about a 12 person Democratic primary field and all that kind of stuff. And if you just think of somebody like kind of runs down a list of um like the majority of the economic uh, uh the the majority of the american economy on like a medically induced coma people are being told not to leave their house eight eighty eight eighty thousand americans dead like it's 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 very unsettling and shocking to hear at once i don't know it's it's a thing i literally paused the podcast he like finished the intro and i paused it I, I messaged you and just like kind of just needed, just needed a second to, um, cause I, I don't know, like, um, for me, I guess like I, I kind of, I go back and forth. It feels like day by day, maybe even hour by hour, just between like feeling like I'm thinking about this as kind of a long-term issue and, and, you know, coming to the best grips that I can with that. But then also just having these moments where it's all just still so overwhelming and just basically like unreal still. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, be- it's because we've been operating on this weird, like, and it's not that it was invalid before, but we've kind of like just ever since like 2016 and, and kind of a lot of other things, like it's, it's a confluence of, of the political landscape and social media and the internet and all that kind of stuff. But where like there's the whole narrative of like time has no meaning and and like where it's like oh yeah like oh we 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 jumped from Kavanaugh to impeachment to all this kind of shit but then now you just think like it's only been like seven weeks or something and like it's just it just insane things have happened that have now just been reduced to just like fucking Mitch McConnell and like just like the usual like so much stuff of of consequence and substance has happened. And because of kind of the way attention spans in the media and somewhat in things work, we're just kind of back to framing it as the same usual parts of, like, like just, oh, like now Republicans care about the deficit and stuff like that. I, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 it yeah, I, I agree with the whole, like just waffling between like how insanely fucked up and consequential this is. And also just kind of trying to make peace with it sort of, and just not really knowing how to square those things. Well, and the, actually the, the thing that's somewhat related to what you just said, but actually I think is different about this story compared to, say, the last four or five years in particular is that, and we, we've actually talked about this on the show, where 
basically just like nothing, no story stuck in the world anymore. Everything was just kind of like a quick headline. Maybe, you know, if it was a truly big story, it got a a 24-hour news cycle, and then we kind of moved on to the next thing. Like, even thinking back to like impeachment, it's kind of remarkable sort of like how it, I mean, it was a big story, but it also like, it wasn't. Well, after the first two, two like two days of it, people were like, "Oh, yeah, that's still going on." Yeah. <laughs> um, and but that is the thing about with the coronavirus is that this really is. I mean, you're you're right in that it it's sort of been framed in familiar ways, but I think what is unfamiliar about it is just how all consuming it is, how long it's gone on to this point, and and you know, to be honest, how long I I think it's going to continue to go on, and that's um. It, there's there's no other there's no other story I don't think that would um, reach the level that this has. So I'm I'm gonna agree and disagree. I, th- I think you are right, and I think the reasons why it is sticking is because one, and that's the other part of this that we didn't talk about. Uh, like uh, twenty twenty million people unemployed. Like not that's fine, but like just like but the, like it's just I think that's one of the most prevalent things where you just. It's harder to look away from when you realize that like one in five people and if you're in kind of a lower income area where like the vast majority of uh, lost jobs and furloughed employees are are concentrated when just you know what people where you just oh yeah you're just at home all the time not by choice but also you just don't have a job or a way to sustain yourself and you're just hoping that you get your signed you're the president's signature on your fucking stimulus check or your your recovery check like it's just one of those things where it's sticking because there's more tangible like implications and and it's it's easier to see like that's the thing where you just can't you can't escape it because you, you go to the target and there's stickers all like and that's the th- sorry to be all over the place but like i i anytime i do something that's or i go somewhere where things are just like so dramatically different i just like think back to like just like one season ago just how fucking weird it would be to not have built up to it to just think of like you know, like those influencers who got stuck on vacation or something like there's been all those stupid stories in the in the New York Times where if you just think like you just somehow were just went away. Sorry, a better example. You, uh, uh, Paul Rudd on the Parks and Rec thing. Mm-hmm. So the whole like you just you just been away for two months and, and, and the coronavirus, like as, as he said, it was, that was a very good special. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking like just if it had even though things have happened so quickly and things have built up so quickly. Like just to think, like it's it, it, two months ago, just nothing was like this, and now you go to the Target, and there's three aisles of paper products that have three rolls of paper towels that short people like me can't reach. Like I sent you that picture. <laughs> so so it, you can you can get at the front. They have the board that we we've we've talked about a couple of times, where there's like the no stock and limited stock, and I was like, oh wow, they a limited stock of toilet paper and paper towels. And I go to the back back corner of the store, and there's literally three individual rolls of of paper towels. That short people like me can't reach. It's just, and then you just walk around and just <laughs> literally everybody but a couple of jackasses are 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 wearing masks, and there's stickers on the ground telling you not to stand cl- like, just the the to think of how quickly that like I'm I, I don't even feel weird wearing a mask anymore, and it just it doesn't shock me like none none of the, it's just, and this is coming from a very privileged position where like if if I think about it, my actual life has been relative to many others been impacted so minorly but it's just all of it so quickly it's just is really jarring and and, and insane and sad and everything it's everything all at once 
Yeah. The, the other part that I am still having a hard time with is, is fully grasping the global scale of the situation and the way that it sort of hits me every day is I'll just have these moments where I think about a place that I've been like anywhere from Portland to London to Paris. And it's it's just so weird to think of all these different like restaurants and bars and places that I've been. And it's it's just all shut down. Like it's just all not open. Well, and else if you, and if you think about it a different way is all those experiences that just probably will not even be on the table for like two years. Right. Of like, of so many social experiences that you have that are actually like meaningful and that you like, where you just think like, like I, I enjoy going to this coffee shop or this bar or this whatever, because it had live music, it was bustling and there were a ton of people having fun. Like th- th- any return to normalcy when there's some type of like economic, um, recovery unless and like until we're like two years from now and hopefully there's a widespread vaccine like that that's just not on the table it's not even the travel restrictions it's not even the money it's the stuff that that stuff won't happen and then also just economically even if we get to the point where just socially people are comfortable and medically it is safe to do so will that business have survived probably not like if it was a, a social or an experience or a food or a beverage related thing those businesses can't or probably won't survive. So, yeah. Want to start the show? Well, what was the um, what was that thing going around on Twitter where like podcasts have become an excuse for two oh, guys? Damn it! To, to have a uh, like just a conversation for an hour. I, I feel like this is uh... where's, where's the thing? Hold on. <laughs> Because I, because I had to, because I posted on Instagram and I had to put the Kelly Kapoor thing of the, of the first off, how dare you? <laughs> a quote from, and you'll put a link in the show notes because, and I, and I don't have the link so you, you can find it. It's, you can scroll up in Slack. The quote from, or the tweet from uh, Kristen Bartlett, uh, daughter of uh, Jed Bartlett. Uh, I'm pretty sure the podcasts now are just an excuse for adult men to call each other on the phone and have a meaningful one hour conversation. So you, you want to know how I you want to know how I found this in our uh, our Slack history search? Uh, well, I serve you know what I searched for. I remembered what my response was, which was it us, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just searched for that phrase, yeah. and it it popped right up. Yeah, how dare she? <laughs> you you don't say it. Like I I, I could I could say book clubs are just an excuse to to drink, uh, drink all excessive amounts of wine, but I'm not going to say it because that's because that's impolite. Oh, oh man, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, I guess to to end on a positive note, which you know that's what we try to do here, Carlos. We try to take and take and turn things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the communication that I've had with some people who maybe I don't normally stay as you know, in close touch with has been nice. You know, the, the video chats on the weekends with distant friends and family, um, you know, it, it's not a replacement by any stretch of the imagination from normal kind of social interactions, but you know, it's, it's been, it's been kind of the, like one kind of positive social thing, uh, to look forward to each week. And that's, you know, I do hope that that's actually maybe something, you know, for people who do live a little bit further away, that's something that I 
do a better job keeping up with, you know, even once, you know, we can get closer than six feet to people. Yeah, that sounded very, very much like an ad I see on CNBC in the middle of the day. <laughs> um, uh, and then a quick uh, to, to segue out of this and take it and turn it on uh, the T word stuff. Um, so people have introduced me to like, like it's a young person app. Are you familiar with something called house party? I've, I've seen it like in a headline here or there, but I, I, I have not been bothered to, to look into what it is. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, cause like everybody's trying to, and we, and we can maybe briefly talk about Google trying to shoehorn Google meet, um, in every square inch of the Google suite of products, but um, like since everybody's like now on zoom and to a lesser degree, FaceTime, like in everybody's video chatting house party is a thing where it's kind of, it's got built in games designed to connect like groups of eight, uh, eight friends together. And it's actually fun. It's, it's got kind of, um, inscrutable design decisions, very much like a Snapchat where there's kind of a steep learning curve for the olds like me, but it's, it's cool. Like it's reliable. It's fast. Very, very little lag. It's fun. I don't know if you, if you have youngish people that you want to connect with, I would, I would give that a try. I don't know who owns it or, or how it's sending your data to China or whatever, but I mean, it, it's, 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 it's cool. Hmm, okay. Yeah. This, this actually, this is better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's not like, um, there's a whole, like there's a whole bunch of those where it feels like they're, it's too, they're too, um, they're trying to figure out a way to be FaceTime, but with some other like proprietary thing, this feels less like that, even though it probably is exactly like that. Well, but it's instantly better because they don't use uh, bubbles. Bubbles? You know, the, with the whole FaceTime group chat thing, like everybody shows up as like a floating bubble. I've never done a FaceTime group chat. Like I've done a FaceTime one-on-one, but I don't like a, a multi-people chat either happens on Zoom or WebEx for me. I think they either in one of the iOS 13.4 releases or maybe it's upcoming in the iOS 13.5 release. I think they're changing that now, but it's been people's one of people's I guess big complaints with FaceTime group chats. I I've also not ever done one, but I remember from the um, I remember the demo where it was like yeah. the speaker would automatically adapt and, and it's one of those things that demos well, but like most Apple design decisions that it or it's worse. It's worse. Or maybe you actually didn't even demo that well. But I yeah, I see your point. Yeah. I, whenever I'm on Twitter or like, uh, hmm. you know, how iOS has the thing where it auto, like you can pick like, um, an avatar and that just kind of becomes a thing that there's a little bar, um, at the top of the iMessage window saying like this person has a contact photo. Do you want to use it? Right. Yeah. If somebody has a, uh, has a memoji, I don't, I, I very much don't like that. <laughs> I, I, I think like bitmoji is cool. Or at least has an aesthetic to it. I don't like memojis. I'm I'm sort of I'm ambivalent towards all that stuff. Yeah, I had I had my moment in college making my me on my Nintendo Wii, and that that was kind of the extent of it. Yeah. Again, I, I, I Animal Crossing. I'm happy that I hope everybody will be over Animal Crossing by the time it's possible to buy a Switch. Otherwise, I already would have got one. <laughs> but again, I don't need to waste the money and I don't need to waste my time or attention because I already feel always, I always prefer permanently feel exhausted and don't have the time for it. If it makes you feel better, I think on the list of things that are impossible to find now, but you know, 
a sweet it's kind of it's like sanitizing wipes hand sanitizer and then the, the nintendo switch the next time the next time i go to target i'm gonna take a picture of that board because that's literally what was on the board yeah it's, no, it's a lysol yeah. wipes hand sanitizer um I forgot something else, Nintendo Switch, and then, like, they had some face masks at the front, though, which is interesting. So, I guess, so maybe, like, to round out the, the coronavirus stuff. and you said that um, three times already? <laughs> not for lack of trying. Is, that, is, this, uh, is this us unpeeling the onion? I or, don't know anymore. Yeah. I remember when we um, used to take Smart to the Mart. <laughs> Feels like eight years ago. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when that was the thing I was most upset about. <laughs> um... We, I don't know, for some reason, um, we've enjoyed talking about just our kind of shopping um, experiences during the, you know, whole coronavirus situation. And it's, 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 I guess it's, we're kind of entered this phase now where it seems like we've somewhat figured out the paper product thing, like paper towels and toilet paper still not, not, you know, readily available all the time, but, but getting better. Whereas sanitizing wipes and hand sanitizer just feel like we've really not made any progress there well with that i actually i i I don't know but i think that is probably based on um deliberate supply supply chain decisions to prioritize that type of product for medical use right whereas paper products that's not really that's mostly the supply chain catching up with okay we're going to send less of this in like commercial sizes and and put it more in consumer packaging but Places like um, Target and Safeway are not necessarily. Um, it's still people are still panic buying, so that that hasn't leveled off, and which is why um, I have my short people paper towel problems. <laughs> I'm average height, but I'm not. But I, I can't. I can't reach that. I can't reach that shelf anyway. Um, so I guess actually I do have. This was actually in the docket, so we're actually. Oh, we're finally in follow up. Uh, uh, I guess so. <laughs> All right, but where did I put this? I, I think this actually technically might be a. Um, lost carryover from uh the prior week okay um what's what's your what's your face mask situation <sighs> like what are you what are you using what are you wearing <laughs> uh people can edit out that soundbite that's interesting okay um i know it sounded like what, anyway, it sounded on, like what they on. what they ask you know the celebrities when they're on the red carpet for the oscars or something like who, who are you wearing I I am wearing a very exclusive face mask from a uh, from a boutique designer. <laughs> um, so that's tricky. So I have, and I haven't used it. I have one like N95 mask from like leftover from like fire season, which I haven't actually used yet. Um, there's because here's the problem. It actually there's two things here. So. Well, We've already discussed my frustration of like remember that whole time where there was the CDC was basically like oh yeah face masks don't help don't worry about it for like two and a half weeks yeah it feels like it was about eight years ago but mm-hmm. and then there was that uh, flip flitch that switch that flipped where they're like oh you know uh, lol JK everybody needs a face mask and you're gonna be ostracized if you don't have one so there was a comp um. A company, Los Angeles Apparel, which is made by that sketchy guy who founded um, American Apparel, so kind of gross, but whatever. They um, transitioned a bunch of their um, uh, stuff to making cloth face masks, and they were one of the few companies that had them and were actually um, shipping in a reasonable time frame. So I still have the three-pack that I purchased from them for $30, and it's fine. It's actually one of the better ones where it doesn't necessarily... Cl- um, 
attached to your ears. It actually kind of wraps, like it's got two elastic bands that go behind your head, mm. um, which I actually like and is kind of easier to like kind of wear around your neck where is my policy with this, which I think seems like the smart move, which is that you have your, like you can just like kind of wear your face mask, like, oh, just kind of around your neck. And then when you get to a point where like you're either entering a store, you're entering a place where you feel like contact within six feet of other people is going to happen. You then put it on and leave it on until you go home. Right. I think that's what you're supposed to do. I, I actually take it a kind of a step further where if I'm going out into a situation where I know I'm going to need to be wearing a face mask, I wash my hands, face mask goes on while I'm still in the house, and then I don't touch that face mask either until I've had a chance to like hand sanitize and then take it off and, I, and I'm not going to you know, need it again or until I just am, am back home. Yeah, I th- I think that's that's probably a wise move. Like with the ones that I have, um it's easy to um because of like the elastic bands on the back, you don't actually have to touch the face mask to uh, put it on, mm, which is nice. Right. And also with these, they have um even though they're cloth face masks, they have um kind of that little metal band sewn into the top where it kind of creates like a nice seal around your nose sort of. Right. So yeah, so actually uh, these are pretty solid. They're not very breathable, which I know that's not what you want, but like on a warm day, like just kind of the whole like gets soggy or it's like it's 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 not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am um, one well, in the in the really early days, the the special lady friend's mom was kind enough to make a couple for us because that's that's literally like all we had. Mm-hmm. Um but that was where, like, you know, she had kind of sewn together some material, and then we were using, like, hair ties to then, you know, attach it to our ears. So it was, you know, a little bit of a process to take on and off. A little, a little DIY. It's okay. Yeah. So then I I bought some just off of a, you know, highly rated vendor on Etsy. And those those have actually, they're just, like, solid black. They They go around your your ears like you were saying so i would you know they're not like super super comfortable but they're they're not i wouldn't describe them as uncomfortable either um and those have actually been been working pretty well and it, it's a four pack which is nice because the other thing is you know you i only use it one time and then that thing goes you know right in the laundry um mm-hmm. but now I, i've kind of decided to have a little bit more fun with them because you know I want I want more of them because, you know, there's going to come a time where we do start going out a little bit more, but face masks are definitely going to still be a thing. So I'm just going to need more of them and, you know, may as well have some that are a little bit more fun than just, you know, plain black. So um, so just today, you'll be happy to know that I got in the mail, or I guess they technically came yesterday, but um, some Lakers face masks. Uh... Oh, they used the PPP loan for that. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not gonna get positive words out of me about this, but uh, but I appreciate that. Okay, and I've got I've got some some sharks ones that are back ordered, but should be coming relatively soon, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And of course, which is this is should be no surprise. I I bought some of those Star Wars ones that mm-hmm. Disney started selling I, that that I have no shade about but I I'm bummed that the Pixar ones aren't that great. You know, I would actually even say like the the Star Wars ones I think are um 
they don't jump off the page to me, but I I had a a Disney reward card thing that still had some money on it that covered the cost of them. So, you know. Yeah, um, I, for, I forget, because um, I've, I've pulled up this link a couple of times, and do they still not ship until July? Like, I remember the, the ship dates were really far out, even if you got them, like, immediately. That was the thing, is I... I had seen the link basically like the minute it went live. I think I saw it on Twitter or something, and I, I briefly looked at it. But I, you know, I it was I think it was like on a weekday, so I, you know, I, I wasn't going to spend any time on it really. And I, I want to say that you could have gotten them like at the end of this month or something, or maybe it was sometime in June. But then you know, I a week or two went by and then I'm like, Oh, you know, I've got this Disney card thing. I I may as well just put in an order for these things. And yeah, my, I think mine are expected to come by like July 31st or something. Yeah. So anyway, masks they're Yeah. It's, it's, it's what we, it's what we do now. I, you know, I guess I, maybe, maybe another like positive thing that's um, come from this which um, I actually heard on uh, the talk show. I think it was the episode with Joanna Stern. Ever Gruber made kind of uh, a good point where he was saying that he's like, and he had actually kind of included himself in this where, you know, there, I think prior to the coronavirus, there was sort of a stigma around masks. It, it, it's, it's here in the United States, I'm, I'm oh, saying. We won't talk about it, but yes. Um, yes. And I think, you know, that's very rapidly gone away. And that's that's a good thing that hopefully sticks around. Because, you know, if you're if you're not feeling well, I mean, ideally you're able to just stay at home, but but if you're not able to and you and you have to be out in public, wearing a mask. That's that's a good thing to do. A bit. I mean, yeah, I I feel like the um the unspoken racism that that kind of uh shapes the american opinion of that is still going to underlie for a very long time maybe in less progressive areas but yeah I, because i feel like going back to the like the protests and some of the bad faith actors like it's just a lot a lot of it is kind of people who f- who view that act as being kind of a giving into fear type thing there's like a, there's a whole lot of very dumb libertarian like america style stuff that goes along with it but i think in 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 areas such as ours that stigma has almost entirely gone away which is very interesting you kind of pointed this out when you were uh talking about your face mask experience earlier it's so jarring when you come across like the one random asshole that's not wearing one or you see people who like are actively like removing it frequently i'm like well but that like bro that defeats the purpose please stop doing that and I'm not I'm not here to get in a fight in a target or something, but like just just because that's the thing where it 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 becomes this douche-tastic like act of defiance and civil disobedience and like just fuck you. Sorry. No, I I, I don't think you have anything to apologize for. Well, but you're you you try to have this be a non-sweary podcast. Yeah, I, I don't really care that much. Well, you're gonna you're gonna use this as a, a way to soothe, soothe your kid through the terrible twos, and you don't want to know one <laughs> bad words. <laughs> uh last uh last bit on this jesus this is the longest segment this is the longest opening of a show ever um actually we're gonna skip it i'm just gonna say the the hearings were interesting but again the whole uh idolization of certain like resistance figures is problematic i'll just leave it at that
you, you and you can fill in the blanks all right <laughs> what else do we do you have anything else in follow-up um oh well actually I, i'm i'm can i prioritize this so we can get through this real fast please okay so there's a new york times article uh talking about quibi which we've talked about at length which is the jeffrey katzenberg meg whitman uh joint project that raised a, pun- a bunch of money and um who's off to a rocky start and i think we can probably say that that it would have been like just gangbusters if it weren't for the pandemic i think we can probably blame all of its uh troubles on the pandemic would you agree <laughs> sure as one mr jeffrey katzenberg said i attribute everything that's gone wrong to coronavirus everything um it's a good article people should go read it i don't know uh, did you have time to read it i not not word for word no but I, I i think i've seen the highlights here the one thing that I do like, and in friend of the show, he doesn't know that, but he's just a friend of the show. Todd Vaziri had a, highlighted a good uh, segment. Uh, there's a quote about halfway through um, Katzenberg talking. There are a whole bunch of things we have seen that we have now seen in the product that we thought we mostly got right, he said. But now there are hundreds of people out there using it. And you go, uh-oh, we didn't see that. One, I really like that he said hundreds. Um for, for like a, a service that raised i think in the billions of dollars um and and talked about how they didn't really anticipate user um user behavior and one of the dumbest decisions with this is that and in certain ios apps do this and certain ones don't and it always bugs me whenever i come across one that does where um and i think netflix unfortunately is like this where you can try to screenshot it and because of um whatever the ios equivalent of hdcp is that it just blacks out the video so that you can't use it to pirate content or whatever for a service that's supposed to be like social sharing designed for like millennials a quibi making the intentional decision to make it so that you can't screenshot or share anything about the content seems like a really really stupid move this is kind of a a harsh point maybe but or um a hot take but <laughs> if if you were if you're kind of delusional enough to think that the premise of this product was going to be successful then of course you're going to make some bad implementation decisions and not be able to correctly identify what the what the issues are like that those things are not at all surprising coming from people who thought this thing was a good idea in the first well, place but i mean the screenshot one I, I i disagree because if you were thinking of like no this is gonna be this is gonna be mobile first it's gonna be mobile only and we think people are gonna love it and this is gonna be like an on-the-go thing and that's what we believe is the core of this product then you understand that the way people like share and annotate and like if somebody wants to find something that's fun and post to instagram like you you have to enable that like nobody's gonna bootleg your five to ten minute uh, quick bites on Instagram and, and the fact that you make it so you can't share a single screenshot, like that's not protecting your content. That's, that's limiting the audience and, uh, grammability of, of, of your stuff. So if somebody wants to share a clip of, uh, Chrissy's court, they're not gonna be able to do that. Grammability. Did you make that up? Um, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> I, I, it's an adaptation of doing it for the gram, which is a thing young people say. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. Okay. So, or do, do you uh, do you call it Insta? I've heard the kids do that too. I don't. I don't like saying that, and I don't like the concept of Finstas either. Hmm. It's like you understand pods. what that is. No, no, Finstas is when you have a fake Instagram so that your parents or professional colleagues don't know your real one, where you do what you actually do and ex- express yourself in that way. So you have Finstas. So what's yours? 
Huh? No, I only have one. Again, my, I'm very transparent. I share content of dogs, me making French fries, and uh, I don't know, whatever else I do. Hey, don't forget about your... I'm very one note. Uh, your cast iron pizzas have been nice. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta stop that. My, my, my quarantine cooking has not been... Again, because I'm not having people over, I am eating more of what I cook, which is not, not great. And I can't go to the gym. <laughs> uh, I gotta cancel my gym membership. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's a link I, I, it, that's problematic, and we're not going to talk about that because that's a very complicated decision because of the gym that I go to. But I do not feel like that's going to be a thing that's going to happen for a long time. I don't know. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Okay. We're supposed to be prioritizing a blazing through follow up. Okay. Uh, Amazon might be buying AMC theaters. Who even knows? I don't know if this is like a Grubhub Uber thing of like how far along these talks are, but I don't know. Kind of feels like maybe a Whole Foodsy thing that they're going to do and. Maybe Amazon will ruin that too. It it does um it does feel like a whole foozy thing. That's that's a good that's actually a really good analogy. I like that. Oh, thank you. But no, it's it's kind of the thing where again, like not I don't think Whole Foods was struggling, but they didn't really have like there wasn't really a growth path forward. Like Whole Foods, like and and this is what always bums me out when a company that is doing fine at what they're supposed to do, kind of people don't think it has massive growth potential, and then you get like um private equity people trying to bang down your door because they think there's synergies and garbage like that um i don't know i feel like and i'm I'm also very bummed like i know you're um you're all jazzed up and, and keyed up about uh prime curbside or whatever but i think overall like a, a pre-pandemic a, i i don't like what amazon has done to whole foods yeah, like it's as somebody who actually went in the store and shopped regularly at whole foods it's it's decidedly worse in almost every way well i think that's that's the advantage that i have is that i I really never shopped at Whole Foods previously, um, and actually never really have even post Amazon acquisition up until just the, you know starting to use the the curbside uh, pickup option. But I decided we just haven't been a a, a Whole Foods family. Yeah, uh, but the, I mean the problem with that that does actually still impact people like you is that the selection has gotten way worse. Now that Amazon's kind of in charge of like um, the purchasing decisions where that used to be a much more um, regional and local decision, where just the variety of products is just far worse now, which kind of stinks. You mean your, your everyday 365 just doesn't, doesn't make everything that you want? Well, no, that's the problem is like, and, and that's specifically it where like, because like Whole Foods is whole paycheck and that kind of stuff. And there's those like tired jokes about that kind of stuff. And, and Whole Foods is expensive. But 365 everyday values used to actually be one of like the bright spots of that store. But they now just like they, in order to streamline it and ha- they have way fewer SKUs in a store and there's less stuff there. And they're eliminating, I guess maybe I'm just, I'm bitter because all the fla- like weird flavor choices I like are usually not the most popular ones. And so therefore <laughs> what I actually like is there anymore. They've gone, they've gone too mainstream, man. They have. It's a bummer, man. Um, that's the one thing where I always get bummed about targets because, um, the target that I frequent most doesn't uh, like the regional flavors that they have very enough where, um, like East Bay targets and, um, like Santa Rosa Petaluma targets carry different stuff than what the Centerfell one does. Like, like most others targets don't carry uh half and half spin drift, which is actually a boon for me, mm. but a lot of the snack selection and, um, frozen food selection is very different uh shanghai disney we've talked about the pandemic too much so we're probably going to skip that but apparently people are excited to get out there even even in asia 
Um, it's not just like a middle America thing. Um, well, I think that's the, the, the other like really just interesting thing that I'm, you know, going to be keeping an eye on is as, you know, certain state and county governments say, okay, Hey, you can technically go technically go out and start doing this stuff. Like, are people going to, and I don't know. My early sense is that maybe it's not a majority of people, but it's, it's going to be a pretty good size chunk of people who are basically just sort of like, okay to start doing just about anything. Yeah. I I think like, again, like this has been kind of our, uh, communal refrain has been kind of like watch what happens when the weather gets warmer especially for outdoor activities to kind of see people's willingness and um lack of care in this regard i do feel uh, indoor activities will probably be there'll be more cautious adoption but i think outdoor stuff people are gonna be very very irresponsible with um and with that i mean and you can kind of get a, a feel for how pe- how people are thinking about that kind of thing so if you look at there's a picture that elon musk posted about him going out for a sunday and there's definitely people in the background so i do think people are getting out there um and and, and showing california's government who's boss i um when he posted that i was thinking that was yesterday I actually was like confused by it at first because I thought like, where the hell is he? Because, you know, he lives in the Bay Area and there's not, you know, there's not going to be a restaurant with people in it. So when the when the real story came out today about it being a uh, an image from Buca de Bebo's website, that explained a lot. I've I've never been there, but I hate the idea of that restaurant. (laughs) I've um, I've been to it once. And it was in Las Vegas, which is kind of like the, the the only place where that's all I needed to know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so, uh, your your boy is because again you you've adopted him all, of all of his problematic nature, but like you, you he's he's your dude. Um, Elon's in a fight with the Alameda County government. Um, he. I don't have a link to the tweet, but he he told the um, uh, California and Alameda County law enforcement, uh, don't take my employees, take me if you need to arrest somebody. Um, it's been a really fucking stupid week related to Tesla, and it's very frustrating. And um, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of over um, Philip Battery's whole bullshit. So it, I guess the, the, we don't need to you know go through the the whole kind of like TikTok of what's been happening with. Tesla reopening their factory over the last couple of days, but Elon's on TikTok. <laughs> Probably. Um the it kinda it kinda seems like Alameda County rolled over today, which was kind of disappointing. Did they? I don't think that's the case. I there's a chronicle um push notification from earlier today that was said very much not that. But I don't. I, mean, I don't think they're forcing them to immediately shut back down. Oh no! Well, no. Al- okay, Alameda County agrees to let Tesla reopen if certain conditions are met. Okay, but it's still, still, still not quite there. And they they came out with a statement saying that they had already been working with the company towards reopening on May eighteenth, so next week. But there was no mention that they were going to force them to stay closed until then, which seems like what they should have done because i don't know my my takeaway maybe i'm i'm missing some of the details here but my takeaway is essentially tesla bullied 
bully the county into opening a week early, which doesn't seem like the right answer. The issue with this, and again, just because we're running long, I, I, there's other stuff we need to get to. But the part that bums me out is that actually, I, I think, and I want to make sure there's no way to get like an audio quote of this. But like Elon Musk is right, but he's not. But he's really not. Like he he the factory work that they have there, just because of like just the square footage and the warehouse and so many other things, like it actually is probably fairly easy for them to meet social distancing requirements and like making a hazard free workplace for the most part like so it is doable but it's just like his incredible persistent jackassery that makes it so hard to want that to happen when and when he's on there and uh, like he's just having like twitter replies with people saying oh yeah we're moving to texas or nevada because we're gonna sue the state of california and like all that nonsense like it's it's just it he he's such a figure that makes it so impossible to be proud of or root for the company he's just he's just the worst possible person to be at that at the head of it i i don't disagree um so some real-time follow-up cnn business article that'll be in the notes um i guess the, the the takeaway which sort of i guess summarizes my confusion here is that alameda county gave tesla its blessing on the condition that it maintain quote minimum business operations and implement additional safety recommendations according to a company statement that was released yesterday um so i I don't know there's so many more things to care so much more about than this but um Mm -hmm. like my new laptop Ooh, look at look at you with the segue. I I, I do want to hear about this new laptop. I want to hear about how much you love. I don't Mac have a segue. But I do have a laptop. Nice, nice. Because <laughs> I want us to talk about one main topic today, and it would so it feels like that's not going to happen. Okay. Um. So we talked about it last how much, week. How much you love Catalina? That's not in, that's not in main business, is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we got to talk about our boy. He, but the the true boy not not the problematic one uh the the real hero of the people that's a tease um so yeah so i got the new the new barely refreshed macbook pro um i have it all set up finally um it's pretty all right i don't know just quick review like again people have covered it to death already but um it's a very very minor upgrade but the magic keyboard is adequate and i to stress the old one was very much not so and it's kind of one of those things where you just have to live with something so long because you have no other choice other than like what am i gonna do buy a surface book no the magic keyboard's pretty all right um catalina is fine it's buggier than high sierra and uh the initial like three days of using it where you're just getting warning messages every every other click is super annoying but i mean it's it's fine i'm not using sidecar or any of the other crap that it has on there and i've opened the home app once and then immediately closed it because it was very frustrating oh I, I have the i have the home app on mojave that's not a catalina thing mm. but yes i mean it's it, it's fine like again the keyboard's nice i actually do like it it's it's much much quieter just because the because you you have the the one with the butterfly keyboard right correct that's the problem where i hate it that it's very very difficult to type quietly with it like I'm, I'm not like a like I'm, I'm a fast typer, but I don't have I like I don't intentionally slam on the keys. And the butterfly key- keyboard is, is is very very loud. It is. Uh, whereas this one's not. Key travels nice. It's good. Um, I will say that I do like that. 
one it's got a hardware escape key which is which is cool but again because of two years with the butterfly keyboard um i've kind of trained myself to use the caps lock key as escape and actually because that's less like finger travel i um uh and have not really gone back to using the hardware escape key but i do like like that because it has a hardware escape key the touch bar doesn't go edge to edge anymore and also the um the touch id sensor is now its own like separate key so like just overall the ergonomics and kind of being able to avoid the touch bar is now much more possible than it was before but everything else about it um is basically exactly what it, what it was so it's got kind of the same complaints um people have talked about because I, I got the highest end processor which is a quad core i7 uh heat whenever it's under load is 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 very bad uh it, it runs it runs very very warm um and when you're doing stuff like if you're if you're plugged in and you're doing stuff that's uh maxing out the processor oh oh boy do the fans come on but in regular use it's fine like if, if i'm not doing anything that's um like in lightroom or or processor intensive and now that i'm like past the first three days when because if you remember uh photos and icloud does not store um like the machine learning or like the uh, what's it called like the um the thing where it identifies what's in your photos. Right, um, right, It doesn't right. store that in the cloud. So literally every time you have like a new device, it actually just uses the processor to evaluate 19,000 photos. <laughs> so just for like three days while I have like my entire Dropbox downloading and that going on, like the, just like it's, it's like a hot plate. But once that's done, it's, it's, it's fine. So anyway, like it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm super bummed that it's not like a real worthwhile update, but Again, I don't really have a choice. It's the laptop that I need, and my old one was having the battery was going, and uh, the keyboard, some crunchy keys, and and some other things, and I was running out of storage space. So it's it's an upgrade that needed to happen, and it's entirely adequate, and nothing more than that. So we hit on this last week how you know there were a lot of rumors about Apple basically doing the same redesign on the 13 inch MacBook Pro that they had done on the 15 inch MacBook Pro. So this would have become a 14 inch machine with the the new design the improved speakers improved thermal system etc cetera, etc cetera. and that didn't happen and you know jason and mike were talking this week on upgrade about possible reasons why that was the case and something that sort of sounded like it might be right to me was this sort of 13 inch size is what apple might first target when they think about their arm transition potentially as early as next year so maybe maybe the kind of short-term vision for a 13 inch macbook pro ish type laptop is to do a major redesign when they go to arm and you'll still have you know the 16 inch macbook pro on intel for a while because that'll be kind of your pro laptop and you know pros aren't going to immediately want to switch over to arm so that's why they kind of put the time and effort into into redesigning that machine, whereas the 13-inch, which may potentially turn over in a year with this processor transition, they, it didn't make sense to to put that time into this machine. I think that's that's plausible. I think it's plausible, but if if I were a betting man, um, I would probably say that I think the Air is going to be the first one. Like it, it just seems like it makes sense, just because the Pro model, like I I, I don't know 
how well suited. Like I have no inside knowledge. I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about nothing. But the I don't know how well suited the ARM processors are going to be for some of the work that is kind of gets that Pro moniker. So it feels like if you were going to like the MacBook Air was, even though it was very underpowered and had a lot of compromises when it first came out. If you're going to have a new computer that kind of is like your example of why the processor transitions are worth it if you're gonna have a computer that's lightweight and instant on and um gets 15 hour battery life or whatever like it feels like the macbook air is the computer you do that with if you're not going to introduce like something like the 12 inch macbook which i think is probably not the right move i don't know i i, I don't feel like the 13 inch macbook pro is that computer like i get that's kind of the alternative narrative for why there were so many rumors about a 14-inch MacBook Pro and they did almost nothing with it. But I don't like I feel like the 13-inch MacBook Pro has always been that computer that Apple like just begrudgingly makes and doesn't actually care about. So I'm not I so it, that being the flag that like the world's introduction to an ARM Mac doesn't doesn't ring true with me. But I don't again, don't know nothing about nothing. The other theory that that Mike and Jason threw out there which sounds pretty plausible to me too is that Apple had a kind of come to Jesus moment at some point, probably early last year, where they realized they needed to get rid of the butterfly keyboard. And they basically needed to develop a plan to to get off of that keyboard as quickly as possible. And maybe it was the case that the 15-inch redesign was already kind of far enough along where you know, that was going to be ready to, to come out with a new keyboard. But then, you know, the rest of the line, maybe there were redesign ambitions, maybe at least for this 13-inch model, but those were a little bit further down the road. But they decided that they just desperately needed to get the new keyboard into every laptop as soon as possible. And so that's, they basically took the path that, that got them there the quickest. And, you know, I mean, Apple, Apple does, I mean, let's be clear, Apple deserves no credit for anything they've done with the keyboard here because they broke it in the first place. But the one nice thing you can say is that they, they did transition the whole line quicker than I thought they would. I, I kind of thought, I kind of thought WWDC this year would be the earliest that we would see any additional laptops on top of the 16 inch start having this new keyboard but here we are early may and they've they've already done the whole line so i appreciate your sentiment but i would say they deserve no credit and also when you and when and when, and when you said that uh they realized last year that they were painted into a corner with the butterfly keyboard i would for, for context and and i think joanna stern would back me up on this so they were fine with it for three years i don't like that it bugs me, and, and it's, it's, I'm not saying this about your opinion, but like that they were so okay with shipping a product that they knew. Like, I, I really feel like nobody in their heart of hearts ever thought that this was a good product. I don't think like Phil Schiller and Tim were. The, well, I, I don't think Tim cares about Max at all, but like I don't think they were there being like, oh yeah, this this is a good product. It's got a slightly higher failure rate, but overall, it's it's better. I don't think anybody thought that. Like, I I just thought, I don't know. I like I, they 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 deserve zero credit for with a straight face and still to this day no apologies to customers. I'm not saying like Tim needs to make a video and say hey like I'm so so sorry we're gonna buy everybody tickets to uh, an Alabama college football game or something like you but just selling it and not acknowledging the problem for so long 
and just leaving it on the market for basically four years of a by designed effective product is just such a fuck you to customers. I don't know. Like I zero credit deserved at all. If anything uh, points against and pure disdain for taking four years to fix this problem. They remember in the moment how weird it was when, so they, they they come out with a 12 inch MacBook with the butterfly keyboard and for that particular machine, it made sense. It was such a thin laptop that having a traditional keyboard just sort of like physically wouldn't have fit given the constraints Apple put on that machine. I mean, you can argue whether those constraints uh-huh, uh-huh. made sense. They, I mean, I think the fact that that laptop doesn't exist anymore proved that, that those constraints were silly. But But given that that's the choice they made... They had to come out with this kind of weird keyboard to to fit into that machine. But then the weird moment came when they started introducing it into the rest of their laptop line. Because there's this moment of just like, why? Like, why hamstring yourselves with this this kind of... (laughs) Yeah. No? Yeah. You're right. You're right. Like, I I think it's just... And I hope that it's gone from Apple, but like it, it was just that stupid design, uh, design and thinness above all else thing. Like it's, and that there's, I feel like that decision is mostly gone from the iPhone. Like I still think there's some dumb parts of that, but like it, it was just a decision based off of it looks pretty and we'll accept the fact that the repairability is worse just because it's it's prettier and it allows us to make the keep the the laptop thinner. Like the, like it's it's Occam's razor. If if it comes down to um, a stupid decision from Apple, it's always based on aesthetics for uh, and, and uh, price reliability and literally every other consideration be damned. Well, and then that's the thing with with the laptops. Even though the keyboard thing is now I figured reason. out, <laughs> um, you know the, the 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 laptop lineup which we talked about last week is is still a mess, and it's kind of it, it's. It's lame now that it we're apparently going to have to wait until this this arm transition for there to be another kind of rethink about their their whole lineup. Yeah, to to round this out real quick, the the one thing that I I'm curious about just with this whole arm transition that I don't really know how it's going to work. You were never a Mac user in the PowerPC days, right? No, my my first uh, Mac laptop was a was an Intel machine. So yeah, so when when that whole processor transition happened, they they actually made a, a a good technological decision, and they made it pretty seamless for people. But with making fat binaries and making um, uh, Rosetta to allow somebody to emulate PowerPC um, binaries and run those on OS ten for like I think two or three um, uh, full versions of OS ten, which which is which is a smart move. What I worry about is that because I know everybody wants to like knock on Intel and uh, that they're being painted into a thermal corner and they can't make the computers that they want. But I feel like ARM isn't really going to get them where they want to be. Like, I feel like there's definitely advantages in terms of power consumption and heat and um, like the performance per watt that people like, that's kind of the decision of why you'd make an architecture change, but like performance wise, every, on upgrade and a bunch of other places they kind of talk about okay well maybe they'll leave like the pro products on intel for a while and the consumer stuff will go arm but then like is everybody just gonna like is just like the intel stuff just gonna like run like crap on the arm ones or are there gonna be new apps that only run on arm and don't run on intel 
how are they going to deal with the translation of different processor architectures in a way that makes sense because there isn't the performance difference between Intel and ARM as there was with PowerPC, where the Intel chips were just so much faster that made the emulation hit that you get still worthwhile. Like that's the part where I I don't necessarily get it. And I assume if Apple's going to make that transition, they already know that. But I just, I, I don't, the parallel product lines argument doesn't necessarily make sense to me where people are like, oh, yeah, the Mac Pro is going to be around for a decade and it's going to run Intel and people are, and meanwhile, everything else is going to go to ARM. I, I, I don't see how that stuff squares up. One, uh, I mean, this is, this is an area that I'm certainly no, no expert in, but I would think the other big difference with the transition to Intel was that, you know, Apple was moving towards kind of like the main chip maker for PCs at large. So, you know, in terms of like getting people to adopt that, that type of processor, you know, you already had a lot of developers who were, who were familiar with that architecture, maybe from like developing for windows or or something like that. Whereas ARM is, is going the, the, the other direction where there really isn't a lot of, you know, there aren't many ARM laptop devices out there. And he, and here's what makes me kind of skeptical is that, and I, and I understand, I think Apple would do a better, even though Apple's um, software quality and stuff like that is debatable of how reliable and, and comprehensive that's the kind of stuff has been. But do you remember when the original surface came out and it ran windows RT? I, I do remember that. So it's that, that makes me concerned where that ended up being kind of a failed experiment. And, and if Apple did, I don't think it would be a failure, but like that, where there was like this weird, like arbit not arbitrary, like it was it was by design and because by like just architecture support, but there was that whole thing of like oh well this is an app that runs on Windows RT that happens to run on different kinds of processors and there's this entirely separate version of Office that we're writing for and oh no not all of your apps run on it, and I just I I I know that Apple if they do it will do it better and it'll be more seamless but it's still that kind of issue where like it's different enough where I. <laughs> I don't know because like it feels like any, all these rumors don't point to the fact that like why can't Apple like I feel like if they're going to make a MacBook Pro for this like why wouldn't they just like be like oh yeah we're just going to take four of the fastest processors that are in the iPad Pro and just shove them in a laptop like that seems like that would get you the performance boost but people always seem to be saying oh yeah it's going to have maybe a few, like 12 cores instead of eight and it's just going to have great battery life and I guess like I just don't see how that's going to make the difference but Anyway, we're, we're, we're going long. We, we, we have one uh, last big thing to talk about, unless you have anything else with this. I think we've hit it all. Okay. Can we talk about the man of the year or who I am, the guy I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm casting my vote for in 2020. I've, I've been waiting for this. Yes. Yeah. So this, 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 this is, this compounds with this story has layers and it evolved over the past week. Cause it feels like it's been more than a week since we talked, but it's, it's, it's a thing. Okay. So this came originally, what's, what kicked off this week is uh, there's an interview on TMZ Live, which I'm, I'm not clicking on that link. I don't need this. But apparently Guy Fieri has, he, like, he's actually walking walking the walk in terms of people who are, like, you have, like, fake people pretending that they're trying to do real stuff like like um, like Thomas Keller, who's appealing to the Trump administration for restaurant bailouts, and he's um trying to get he's a person who has a 400 hundred dollar 
uh, fixed price menu at the French Laundry, and he is trying to get you to go do a GoFundMe so you, he can pay his like restaurant workers, and he's somebody who's worth like $130 million. Get out of here. But Guy Fieri is actually doing it. He has raised $20 million by reaching out to CEOs of major food companies, which, I mean, fuck it, he's Guy Fieri. Like, if, if, you're, if you want to take Pepsi's money and give it to people who actually need it so restaurants go, don't go out of business, do it. So he's out there doing the real work, living his best life, and just not not being a dirtbag about it in an era where we have nothing but dirtbags and charlatans. And I'm 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 here for it. It's great. That that that's also well said. And the other thing that I would add on top of that, which which I think we've hit on in this show, is it's coming from such a genuine place. Because mm-hmm. if you think about his entire Food Network career. It's it's basically been promoting small restaurants, you know, diners, drive-ins, and dives, or you know, triple G, as, as you like to call it. Um, you know that that's that's what it's been about for that show's been on for a decade, I think. And so, you know, this isn't some new thing that he's adopted in the last eight weeks. Like this is what he's made his his career around. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he deserves a uh, a ton of credit for it and, and and you know this this also isn't to mention all of the other charitable contributions he's made kind of specific to the bay area the last couple of years around um you know feeding firefighters during firefighters and the community during the um the wildfires we've had here the last couple of years i mean he's he's been consistently consistently out there and also, like, if we want to go uh, go to it, like, I mean, like a fairly progressive dude, like he uh, before before was cool. He like officiated same sex marriages, like stuff like that. Like he he he's like he does all the stuff that people virtue signal about and do a, do a whole bunch of stuff about talking about how how they're so woke and how they're doing all this stuff, but aren't actually doing it. Like Guy Fieri kind of does. Like, and he, and he's not somebody who's looking for, I mean, I mean, I mean, he's got frosted tips. He's kind of looking for attention, but he's not looking for that kind of attention. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it, the earnestness and unpretentiousness and like wholesomeness of it is with a lot of nisses is like very refreshing. And I don't know. It's pretty great. So there's, there's a few more pins that I want to, to pull from this or threads to pull on, but one, I'm going to give you a minute. Where so you'd mentioned when we um when I sent this link, and then you, you, I think you initially were like, oh yeah, that's cool, like because because you're a Fury fan, you're 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 a um uh, a guy head or that doesn't work, <laughs> um a fear uh, Fury fiend, I don't know, we'll, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll workshop we'll, it, workshop that, yeah. yeah. Uh, he is wearing a, a shirt that has kind of in in the spirit of the Hollywood sign. He's wearing a shirt that says Flavor Town, and. I forgot where to open up Slack. Oh, I, I did Slack crash or did I quit it? Uh, you had put, let's scroll back here. Uh, I quote, I want that Flavors Town shirt he's wearing in the interview. And then I did a little bit of recon on it. And apparently there's um, GuyFieriStore.com. Because of course there is. <laughs> um, and if you go to that website and you will put a link in the show notes to it, uh, he uses some clever CSS to convert the uh, cursor, like it's fucking 1998, to be uh, flames, because of course. Um, and apparently that's a shirt that is available to purchase, but also 
100% of the profits from the Flavortown Relief Tea go to the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund. Even with this, he's doing good. God damn it. Yeah, and that's um, I, I I didn't I didn't mention this on the show, but that um, that triple D um, out of like from home edition where he's, yeah, yeah. he's had these restaurants. You know, the the he, the the premise of that show has been promoting the the restaurant employee relief fund. Like that's that's what he's been that's what he's been focused on during those episodes. Um, no, that this this T shirt which I which will be in the notes, um, which will be on uh, at your house. Well, so, you know, Carlos, we live kind of in a moment now where there are kind of little small victories and small things to get excited about each week. Like, yeah, there's just these little little joys in, in life. Um, and this week, or I guess this was technically last week, was that moment where I saw this shirt, really liked it, and then you immediately turned around and, and showed me that it was available for purchase. I, I think I ordered it within... 90 seconds of you sending me that link i'm i'm so excited for this shirt uh and i still agree with my reaction why is he making it so hard to dislike him <laughs> he's doing a really good job and then there's there's a lot of other stuff that on the site that's dumb i'm sorry i'm not i'm not buying the um there's a picture of him as a uh nasa astronaut which i'm not really really into and also there's one where it's a um kind of like the sriracha bottle design but it's donkey sauce. I, I I can't can't get on board with that. But still, whatevs. Have you have you just been to? I had not been until just now. Have you been to guyfieristore dot com? Just the main page. Nope. Wait. Well, I mean, uh, I go when I, when I saw the Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I, I almost I almost didn't want to tell you about this because I, I I'm. You know, I'm enjoying the fact that you like Guy now, but I'm afraid by seeing this, you might take it all okay. back. Okay. Nope. I'm taking it all back because it's got, because now it's not the Hollywood sign. It's like Las Vegas. And you know how I feel about Las Vegas. So, but I do like hot dogs, but I do not like ketchup on hot dogs. This is, this is a whole thing of, this is like an enigma wrapped in a thing. Like this is not, yeah. No. Oof. Oh boy. Oh man. Oh boy. And the wallpaper is basically just hamburger, hot dog, something else, and then just guy. Like, I, I, I oof, <laughs> Um, uh, okay. Um, so, okay, let's, so rounding this out, um, there was also a, uh, article on BuzzFeed earlier today, which I thought was really good. And I read the entire thing and I understand it. I, I can respect if other people didn't, but. It's called Guy Fury is the last unproblematic food person. Um, it's a very good read, and it's parallel to another internet controversy. Or not that this is an internet controversy. Did you see the whole uh, Allison Roman thing? Uh, I did not. Do you know who that is? No. So she's kind of this uh, um, New York Times food column recipe person who's going who's kind of gotten popular quickly and she's um just kind of she's got like an influencer vibe to her and she's kind of been vaguely problematic because a lot of people get kind of annoyed that she um appropriates recipes and influence from a lot of other cultures but doesn't actually give like any recognition just kind of pretends like oh it's just me being quirky in the kitchen 
but also she had a thing and do you know who dan frommer is he used to be a tech reporter i think for like business insider but he's kind of pivoted to his own thing where it uh his website is a uh, new consumer uh or it's kind of just about um uh, it's like the whole like direct consumer just like new way people are shopping and doing stuff anyway it's it's, it's a good website and it's kind of doing the whole strategy thing where it's um like membership supported and it's not like just a bunch of ads in a content farm but anyway so the allison roman thing is there's a um it was an interview about kind of what she's doing um but it had a, a line like a whole section at the end that was very interesting where she kind of goes after chrissy Teigen, who was a model turned television personality turned uh, cook slash recipe slash food person whatever and now she has a line of stuff that's a target and then apparently like uh allison roman has an issue with that and she also has an issue with a uh, friend of the show marie kondo where to quote from the article it says uh like the idea that when marie kondo decided to capitalize on her fame and make stuff that you can buy that is completely antithetical to everything she's ever taught you and i'm like quote damn bitch you fucking sold out immediately you should make stuff, slap my name on it, I don't give a shit. And then she also had kind of this racist thing where uh, she puts, for the low price of nineteen ninety nine, please to buy my cutting board. Yeah, so basically, uh, so this is the kind of internet controversy where somebody got canceled. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that phrase. I am. I, I'm, I'm hip enough to know that, yeah. Like... <laughs> It's so weird where like this happened late last week and I I just it was such an upsetting thing because I like I I follow a lot of people who are like in the food industry especially in the Bay Area who in like in the the uh, San Francisco Chronicle has a new uh, food editor who's actually very very good and replaced um, somebody who was not very good Michael Bauer before and kind of the Bay Area food scene was kind of up in arms about this where there's kind of like this weird thing where there's certain people who kind of get attention and fame and food by taking other people down and appropriating other stuff. And this was one of the nice ones where um, somebody was a terrible person and kind of got knocked down for it. And that is put into stark relief when you have Guy Fieri just doing good stuff for people and is entirely unproblematic about it and owns what he's about and does stuff that people like and some people hate. And you know what? Fuck it. Who cares? Because he's do he's doing it the honest way. So uh, sorry for that detour to like trashy internet culture, but it's only to bring up the fact that, you know what, let's, let's all aspire to be a bit more like guy. He, he accepts your apology. And I don't think I've, wait, did I, did I wrong him? You've, you've been a little hard on him in the past. Have I? You didn't, you didn't uh, cancel him, but, but you. Oh no, no, but I, but I just, I just, mm, okay. I, I, okay. I just, I don't like the Camaro. And I think uh, sometimes it's a bit much, but you know, I'm taking, I'm taking it back. We're, we're, we're helping people here, <laughs> including ourselves. Yeah. People should go read, read that Buzzfeed article. Cause I did a very bad job at explaining that internet controversy, but it, if, if it, it is, it is worth the read. It is in the notes. All right. Chef specials. Let's do it. Um, so this, this actually, this comes from you. Um, so this week I asked you for a weather app recommendation Ooh. because I so I've been using Carrot Weather for the last couple of years, I guess, and it's been you know it's been fine. Um, but the last couple of months, I've just had lots of trouble with it, 
including things like um, the way that it was interpreting source information. Because there's like six different sources you can choose from, you know, Dark Sky, AccuWeather, Climacell, etc. And with some of the sources, you would get this thing where if you looked in like the seven day forecast, if there was a like 1% chance of rain on, you know, three days from now, you'd get like the rain symbol on that day. So at like first glance, it was like really confusing. And then when you look at the details, you're like, oh, it's actually not probably going to rain. Um, Or I'd have this other issue sometimes where if I was using dark sky specifically, it would wrongly interpret there being rain in the next hour. So it would be like literally perfectly sunny outside, but show a hundred percent chance of rain in the next hour. And then most recently the complication on the Apple watch, which I know you love so much was having an issue where it was just constantly losing track of my actual location. And, you know, this is like the easiest thing to get right right now because i'm literally in the same place pretty much all the time and really don't ever leave the city that i'm in but it was continuously saying that i was in a different city so that was what kind of prompted me to be like hey what weather app do you recommend and i I think this might have been a chef special of yours back in the day maybe um hello weather really simple really well designed the apple watch app or the Apple Watch complication, rather. The app is good, but the complication is so-so. I wish it had a little bit more information specifically around, like, forecasting, but but it's fine. Um, but so far seems to be a lot more reliable than Carrot Weather was. So, two thumbs up so far. Good. Um, did you... I forget, I, I think... Uh, because Hello Weathers actually has a sustainable business model. I forget how much you can get for free or how much you have to subscribe for five bucks a year. They, um, I, I, I mean, I immediately subscribed, so I didn't, um, I didn't really play around with what was free. I mean, I, I signed up for just a month to start, and, and assuming you know this month goes well, I'll, I'll probably just opt in for for a year subscription. I think things like the um, Apple Watch app. Maybe it's just the complications or maybe it's the whole app. I don't know. That's I think that's behind a paywall. Um, I think, and obviously this is going to change now with Apple's acquisition of Dark Sky, but I think the free version, you can only use Dark Sky, whereas if you pay, you have the option of a couple of different sources. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some other things too, but, but I, I didn't really look into that part too carefully. And also, I forgot the biggest benefit is that you get to use custom app icons if um, you're a pro user, just because the, uh, the default app's kind of uh, icon's kind of ugly. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah. So I just use the one that's just um, just uh, sun and clouds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Um, and yeah, it's pretty good. All right. So mine is not necessarily a specific product, but um, I do have one that I will throw in here. But um I'm going to make my pick of the week uh, something that's kind of a uh, work from home um, based, which is a an ergonomic footrest. And it's not for um, like foot comfort. It's for forcing me to sit like a human at a desk because I'm somebody who 
I don't have bad posture, but I'm very bad at just sitting the way you're supposed to if I have to sit for like more than 10 minutes at a desk. Are you able to sit normally or do you kind of start slouching or sliding or do uh, like just kind of getting temporarily comfortable even if it's poor ergonomically? No, I, I sit like a four-year-old. Good. Okay, <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> um, whereas this, because like just with, like I have my nice ergonomic chair and my ergonomic chair works amazing if my like feet are leaning against something to kind of push me into the way you're supposed to sit in a chair. But if I do not have something like that, I will generally like kind of like hunch over or like wiggle around or just not sit well. So I, I just, I thought like, Oh, you know, maybe like, cause I, then this popped up to me when I had um, the a box for my echo show kind of just scattered under my desk. And I just like put my feet on. I'm like, Oh, this actually works out great. So I got myself a little footrest. So I got the Ergo Foam Premium Under Desk Footrest Pet Friendly. Uh, great for back or knee pain. Footstool rocker. Good name. Uh, it's 26 bucks on Amazon um, and it does ship quickly. Uh, and it does the job it's supposed to do. And it's entirely adequate and it's doing, it's does what it says on the tin. So I like it. How did you, how did you find this particular one? I assume this is a product that there's eighteen thousand of when you search on Amazon. We've talked about this, and we won't talk, we won't talk about it again. But I kind of look for something that doesn't have a name, because you know, on Amazon you search for something, and there's like eighteen of the first twenty results will just have like a name where it just looks like a neural network invented it, and it, there's <laughs> no way a human like so. If you just go to Amazon, type footrest, the third item is H U A N U O. What even is that? Like, it's not, it's, not, it's not like a language barrier thing. It's just like, that's just not a thing in any language. Anyway, so I look for the thing that looks like it was made by like a real company who might have actually thought about it. Even if it's just um, like rebadged stuff from just some factory. Like, who, I, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not precious about that. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. Does what it's supposed to. There is a really cute golden retriever on this product page too. So is that there? helps. Wait, on this one? Ooh, mm-hmm. hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, when they're hi- highlighting the pet-friendly mesh cover. Where is this? Um. Oh, wait. Well, no, but he's. But there's no. Oh, that's just a stock stock photo. There's no footrest in it. <laughs> True. Oh, good. Well, but you're lucky though. You have an actual dog to use as a footrest, so you, you, <laughs> you can. You, he, he's he's saved you twenty six uh, seventy eight. 